Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to be back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I'm your host, and I have a great show for you today. I have a special guest, Chad Hermanson, will be joining us. He is a former first-round Major League draft pick, and we'll come in to talk about his experiences in the Major Leagues, as well as a new program that he's developed for young athletes called Mental Edge Training. Um, It focuses on the mental skills side of the game, something that's very important, something over the last X many years has been more of a part of the game, and and there's been more of a necessity to where even now major league clubs have a mental skills coach and even therapists and stuff like that to where they really try to help players with that side of their development. Um, Before we get to that really quick, I just want to kind of go over hope everybody's doing well. Um, in a, in a good place. Um, I really appreciate all the support for the podcast, your emails, your questions. And again, if you have any questions or topics that you'd like to have, please email me at the Vegas therapist at gmail.com, or you can join the Facebook group page, uh, the Las Vegas, the Vegas therapist podcast, Ryan Winder group, and you can touch base with the community, answer questions or ask questions there. Um, and just also just stay up with updates and things about the podcast. So um, do that if you haven't done that. And also, again, always welcome to rate and review the show on Apple. Love to have that be a part of it. I know it helps me and it helps the show get promoted on Apple. So that would be great as well. Um, like I said, Chad's going to come in in just a little bit, but I just want to touch base also about just my view of sports. I love sports. It's something that's always been important to me, something I've played my entire life. Baseball, basketball, football, softball, whatever it's been, it's something that I've had a lot of life lessons that I've gained from sports. Um, it's taught me a lot about discipline and competitive, competitiveness, teamwork. Um, I've been lucky enough to be on a, a lot of good teams and had opportunities to win, win championships, things of that nature. So sports has always played an important role for me. And I think the things that I gained from sports – have then propelled me into a sense of drive and competitiveness to be successful in my business and in the things that I do with other people. So um, I think it's a big part of us and can be something that's very meaningful. And like I said, teaches a lot, uh, teaches us a lot about life and how to approach things in our life. Um, so as you can tell, I'm fond of sports, <laughs> uh, to say the least. So anyway, but let's get to the interview with Chad so we can hear what he has to say and just about, the, the like I said, the mental side of it and developing that in young athletes. So let's start the show. All right. Well, this time I'd like to welcome in my guest. Chad Hermanson is with us today. He is a former first-round draft pick in the major leagues, and currently he is uh, involved in a program that he's doing called Mental Edge Training. Um, but I wanted to bring Chad on because I, w- I love sports uh, and I obviously love psychology. So I wanted to get his take on some things and just kind of uh, learn more about what he's doing for kids and yeah, just get some of his input on things. So thanks again, Chad, for coming on. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate having me. Yeah. All right. So what, you want to just tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now with your program and, and just a little bit about that? Yeah, so I mean, it, it all stems from, you know, my background of playing baseball, and then now I'm a father. I have a fa- father of four kids. Uh, my I have one son who's been playing baseball since he was a little boy, and going through the struggles that I went through, um, that you kind of you know those are mental struggles. Um, you have some athleticism. I, I played all three sports growing up. I did well in all these sports. And then you kind of get to the point later in your career that you're like, man, I'm kind of struggling a little bit, you know, and I, you, you kind of start to have some failure and you start second guessing yourself. And I started to see that happen with my son. Um, kind of the story goes, it was last year, he was a sophomore in high school and he was going through some struggles. Uh, he was a starter 
is on, a, on the varsity team as a freshman, which is pretty good. You know, that's most, most kids would say, yeah, it's pretty good. You're starting to, on varsity as a freshman. Um, had a pretty good freshman year. And then, of course, you want to do better your sophomore year, right? You start kind of aligning up your goals and, and maybe setting wrong goals. You know, I, I want to hit for a higher average, things that are kind of out of your control. And he started to, he started to struggle his sophomore year and started to get into these these things where he was comparing himself and was had to put a ton of stress, ton of pressure and anxiety before games, uh, just trying to live up to expectations because he, he went to the same school as I did. Mm-hmm. And so being a first round pick, all these things were happening. So he, he was struggling with that, which, you know, I think is is it's kind of almost not fair, <laughs> you know, so. And I started to kind of notice, so once he started to open up to me about some of the things that he was going through, and I was noticing I was able to help him. Um, I was able to help him walk through some of these things, uh, give him some, some tips, some strategies, some skills to start working on and applying that I wish I had, you know, when I was playing. I didn't really, I started struggling a lot when I was, after I was drafted um, as a first round pick, so there's high expectations. Right. So when I got it, I was going to yeah. say, when, just to not to just to interrupt a little bit, I was yeah. thinking, when I first like asked you to come in, I don't, or I didn't really think about it that much. And I was like, wait a second, he was a first round draft pick. What the, that, I mean, the just, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that pressure? I'm sure that was like immensely. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I was drafted in 95 mm-hmm. and you know, if you're a first round pick, you're still gonna, you're still getting really good money. You know, it, it's seven figures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a certain area now, um, it's a little different system in 2020. I think the, uh, the top pick, they have a slot system now. It's roughly like seven or eight million. Mm. Uh, doesn't mean the team's going to give that to you, but, you know, so there's obviously when you're picked in that spot, you're expected to make the big leagues and you're expected to, to have a huge impact on an organization. So mm. I was totally cool with that. You know, I, I was 17 years old when I was drafted. I, I was like, Dude, I'm the man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy and handle this. And um, and for the most part, I felt like it, I did a pretty good job of that. I I always hit offensively, but I, I really struggled defensively, um, and in particular throwing from shortstop. So you could say I, I had the thing, the it, you know, Chuck, the monster. Chuck, all the what's right. that? The Chuck Knobloch, didn't he? He struggled yeah. throwing into second or whatever. Yeah, that. Thing. Yeah, just constantly constantly in worry of, of performance, uh, trying to be perfect in everything I did. Um, and it really got to me and it got to the point where the game wasn't fun for me anymore. And so after trying to battle through the minor leagues of this particular issue, um, having sleepless nights, having anxiety, but bottling it all in, like didn't really tell anybody, all the other people, coaches, teammates knew that, man, he just, he's struggling to throw the ball to first base it's all over the place uh, it's really hard coming across the diamond but man we're, we're losing games so it really bothered me that I was a part of, of of a game that we would lost because of what I did and so after a while about two years of battling that by the time I was 19 in double a I finally had had enough of because I tried to work through it and, and it was still the tips and ideas and all these things from coaches it just wasn't working but nothing was done on the mental side. It was all about um, the actions of, you know, mechanics of throwing and where your feet are lined up. And, uh, but nobody was getting in my dome <laughs> in regards to uh, just being able to talk about what I was going through. Mm. And so I, I dealt with that. And I finally said, enough's enough. Get me in the outfield where I feel more comfortable because uh, I can run. I, you know, I ended up, you know, getting to the big leagues as a center fielder. Um, and I just felt that was more my natural position anyway. So I kind of didn't really have that belief in myself that I was going to be a big league shortstop. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I saw, saw these other Latin guys playing and, and I was like, man, I, I'm pretty good. You know, I was, I was the first shortstop taken in the draft that year um, as a 17-year-old. So the industry was telling me how good I was, but I didn't quite believe it on my end. And so that's kind of where things started to kind of get in trouble for myself. So what do you think the separation was for you? Like not like, where did that fall short? I mean, cause it sounds like, I mean, obviously you did well in high school and were pretty successful enough to be 
touted as a as a number one pick. So where where do you like was it just that people didn't talk about it enough or you know what I mean as far as like the mental side or where do you think it was falling short for you? Well, we didn't talk about it at all. Okay. That I mean that this was 95, 96, 97. Mm-hmm. So the kind of the you could say like there was sports psychologists at that point. It was kind of starting to be prevalent. Um, but I, I certainly didn't seek anybody out because I thought that that would, that would mean that I was, had a weak mindset, um, that I was a weak person. And mm-hmm. so you just kind of tried to battle through it. And yeah. then now you fast forward it to 2020, almost every major league team has a mental skills coach. Um, and, and so, but I want to make sure people understand that, they're, you know, mental skills coach and a sports psychologist, those are really two separate things, right? So yeah. now what I'm, my work I'm doing with my kids, I am not a sports psychologist, right? I do not have a degree in sports psychology, but I'm learning by talking to other coaches under mental skills coach on, you kind of mesh them together, if you will, and you start to learn how to communicate and have conversation with kids and start asking them questions. Because the, the hardest part with kids is they have to be willing and vulnerable to open up. Right. right? And kind of, I'm struggling with this. And so that's what, that's what I've been trying to do is help piece that together, give them skills, some strategies on what they can do and, you know, try to work through a model of helping them. Okay. So what would you say then is that, what is that difference or how could people understand it better? Like a mental skills coach versus a sports psychologist, just in case people are still unclear about that. Yeah. I would say like, it's more about performance-based as a mental skills coach. So we actually, you give them a skill, something to work on to do, something that's actionable. Um, and, and that's where I think kids get the hang up where you think about a psychologist. I think our brains automatically go to, okay, I got to go to this guy's house or this office and go lay on a couch and, and spill the beans on everything, you know, since I was three or five years old. And, and that's not what, what a mental skills coach does, right? That's they're, they're they're, yeah, you're trained to do that, right? You're, you're diving in deep. Right. Um, so there, there's parts of what we do that they can go into that. And, and once the kid starts opening up, then you can kind of start piecing together. Okay, you're, you're struggling with this part. Let's implement this skill and start working on maybe, maybe your focus, um, a belief system, something in there that can help you. Because I, I do believe it's all about the inner self-image, building yeah. that confidence and to just kind of get them on the right track. Right. So, so one of the things, and not to put you on the couch or anything, but just when you look back on your time, and like you said, that time between 17 and 19, when you were struggling with throwing the ball, to sh- like from short and stuff, like what do you feel like you could have benefited more from in that time, like just from your own personal standpoint? I know it's looking back, but what yeah. did you feel like you lacked or didn't have or could have used it in, you know, for yourself? Well, yeah, I, I just – there was a belief that I didn't believe I could play shortstop at that level. Okay. Right. So it, it was that faith in the belief in myself. So, so that's where I struggled. And, and there's, you know, when you start getting to pro ball there, you see that first baseman and then behind that first baseman, there's people, right. There's kids. There's, and I, I had, I think one of my issues personally was, um, I don't know if it's, it stemmed from this and maybe it did but I threw a ball overthrew it and I hit like an older lady. Right. And, and that, that really bothered me mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, I care, I love and care about people and probably too much, you know, as a player. And so um, there was something in there kind of behind in my mindset that every time I threw over to first base, I, I hope I don't hurt anybody. Right. 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 So I, so I think that stems into trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the perfectionist type of athlete and and yeah so that's when you try when you get into that you know phase of of trying to be perfect in everything you do and so concerned about the outcome um, you forget about the process of what you have to do to to make a play and and kind of go pitch to pitch yeah so like when you talk about that belief I, I've heard a couple of podcasts you've been on and that's something that you talked about before where it's like you didn't have that belief I think later on in your journey you talked about you talked they you've talked about how they wanted to maybe even try you at second base. Right. And I think that was when I heard you say it one time too. It's like, well, I just, I didn't even have the belief I could be a second baseman either. So 
like in my mind, I'm thinking like I had a friend growing up in, in high school and he was a star quarterback and he was, you know, a baseball player and whatever and was touted over and stuff like that. In my mind, I think there's no way he could have lacked a belief of, of doing something, you know. So I'm thinking you probably were made to feel a similar way. So where, where did that belief go away, do you think? Or was it just like maybe being tested at a different level once you got to the majors? Or what do you think happened in that, in that state? Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I had so much success uh-huh. up, up to being a first-round pick. And I wasn't a great shortstop. I mean, I was pretty good in high school. Um, did did made, I? I was a good athlete, so I could. I went from the outfield and did my thing. And then once you start making 20, 30, 40, 50 errors through the whole season at shortstop, mm-hmm. you know. And and what I also wish too is I wish I would have been able to figure it out because that Derek Jeter, who was a Hall of Famer, did the exact same thing, right? Oh. He he made 50, I think fifty six errors one year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also understand that he had a support system to help get him through that, mm-hmm. you know, where he played for the Yankees. So he's going to have everything available, but it still relies, it still is on that person. You know, it's still my responsibility, but I think at the end of the day, it all stems back for me is I wanted to be a center fielder. Okay. Right. Okay. So that was kind of my, I, I was throw I, when I was a junior in high school, our shortstop had graduated and I played for coach Fairless out here. Who's a hall of fame coach. He came to me after that sophomore year. He said, you're going to be my shortstop the next year. And okay. Awesome. You know, so you know, you're a kid, you just want to play, right? You just do what you need to do. Um, and he helped turn me into the best shortstop prospect in the country. So that was awesome. Um, but there was also that mindset for me that, Okay, I guess I, I can play some short, you know, but I really want to be in center field, mm. you know. So I and maybe that's not the answer. I don't know, but yeah, um, I know I know when I went to the field, knowing I was going to be in center field, it was just a much freeing. Um, I didn't have that interference in my mindset that I did at shortstop. Right, you're not going to be thrown into the stands and hitting somebody in center field, right? <laughs> but let's hope not. And I, and I really, at the end of the day, I you know, my players that really know me well, they, like, I was never really an accurate thrower. I was, I would describe myself as a chucker. Mm-hmm. I'll just throw it as hard as I can and it's coming out firm. And obviously that just plays a lot better in the, in the outfield. Right. Right. Yeah. Less, you have to, less precise, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So any other, like, I mean, as far as in, so like just kind of, kind of taking you us through a little bit of that journey then. So, you got drafted by the Pirates. You kind of had that transition to the outfield. And then, like, what was the like rest of your time kind of like? You ended up going to some other teams and some other things. I mean, what was that process like for you in general? Yeah, so I, um, I, I shot up through the system. Um, I, I got up to AAA when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the youngest players in AAA that year um, hit 28 home runs. Um, next year as a 21-year-old. And I, at that point, I was playing second base a little bit. They were still, that was when they were still trying to do that experiment. Like, look, we haven't figured this out. You know, now I'm the second base. This is even worse. Now I'm closer. <laughs> so it's really weird how it all works. But um, I finally moved to the outfield officially that year. Um, at this point, I was like the, one of the one or two top prospects for the Pirates um, in, the, in the late 90s at this point. And went to AAA my second year. Um, did even better hit 32 home runs that year, uh, playing center field every, every, you know, an all-star, all that stuff. And then I get my first call up when I was 21. Um, it's kind of a long backstory, but another big part of, of what was really difficult for me is my second day in the big leagues. Um, my, my hitting coach at this point noticed that there, I was doing some things, what we would call really hitting down on the ball, over-exaggerating, hitting down and through the ball. Um, because a year earlier, I was told that you got your lead elbow. My lead elbow was, was we call this a chicken wing. Um, now people call it a launch angle swing where the back kind of works back this way. Um, and we were trying to get it to go that way. So in order for me to do that, I had to think down and through the baseball. Um, so that's what I did my whole second year. But in practice, and flips, T work, I really over-exaggerated this down motion 
because when I got into the game, I felt like it leveled out in what we would call uh, getting on playing with the pitch, uh, but trying to backspin the ball and stay through it. So my coach noticed this in our first, my, it was my second day in the big leagues as we're hitting in the tunnels and I'm, I'm pounding balls really down low, backspinning them. And, and he kind of, after about 10 swings, he looks at me, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and my eyes went like this, like, um, like, what do you mean? So to kind of give perspective, I'm 21 years old. The big league hitting coach is telling me, what are you doing? And then the key words that he said to me was like, you cannot hit like that here. And so I'm just like, oh, crap. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm like a yes, sir guy, like totally respectful of what his opinion is. I'm like, what the thoughts that were going through my mind was like, well, you told me a year ago I, was, I had too much, too much kind of lift in my swing and you wanted me to, to kind of square it up. And to, so I did that. I did that the second year in AAA. Uh, you saw the numbers. Like, I don't what, what's happening here, right? Yeah. So, so he wanted me to kind of, he, he felt I was way too over-exaggerating this. And, and, and I didn't really explain it. I'm like, okay, yes, sir. What do I do? Hit, hit up through the ball more, get the ball in the air, um, which led to me. And, and this is on me, just led me to believe that, oh, crap, like I'm screwed because I know I can't hit like that. You know, I got I got to stay with what I did because I just spent a whole year and, and, you know, a million swings trying to get this swing down. Um, so so I went back to this old style in the big league. So it's like I was trying something new right away and it was not a good result. Mm. <laughs> so so that. And the reason I point that out, again, it's on me. Like, I'm 21, but, yeah, I'm listening to my coach. Um, but I should have known who I was at that point and had more faith and confidence in myself to be like, you know, obviously 30-year-old me would have been like, no, I'm, I'm going to hit how I, I know how to hit. Like, yeah. this is how I got to the big leagues. But I didn't have that as a youngster. You know, like, I mean, 21, you're, most kids are in junior and college at this point, and I'm in the big leagues. So it really messed with me, my confidence, and it dropped my confidence way down. And I really battled with that my whole big league career. My, my big league window was from age 21 to 25. And I played with four different teams during that time. Mm. And, and so um, – once I left the Pirates, I was, was kind of more of a role player, uh, a fourth, fifth outfielder at that point, and my bats dropped way off at that point. Um, so I struggled. I was one of those players that went up and down between the big leagues and AAA. Um, like you mentioned the word embarrassed earlier, I think, and, and I was completely embarrassed, you know, getting sent up and down because you, you feel like you're a failure, you know, every time you get sent down. Mm. Is, is that, yeah, as I say, that's, I'm sure, like, going up and, and going up and going down that's that's a difficult even psychologically mentally kind of it's hard to kind of do that and is it always a, you know are you kind of always carrying with you that that feeling of like here I am a first round pick like is that kind of going with it I'm oh, yeah. I mean <laughs> probably never it, right We're still when, yeah when it really got hard for me was is that when I was up and down so much um you know you only have so many lives, you know, you, there's a, a, comes a time to point where a team is going to let you go. Mm -hmm. And prior to the pirates trading me, this was about the year 2002. I was out of options. They couldn't send me down anymore. Um, if they were to send me down, they had to send me through waivers, which, which allows a team to, you know, basically pick you up for nothing. Um, so they let me play throughout that whole year. And ironically, the whole, the whole year I was in the big leagues, I had a torn labrum. Um, in my shoulder, but we didn't know it at the time. I just, they masked it with uh, some shots to the arm, you know, cortisone to get me through that. Um, so I battled that my whole year in the big leagues that year. Um, but, but my point with that was um, once I got sent down, trying to, to build yourself back up, because you could go down and have a lot of success in AAA, right? But then when you yeah. got back up to, we got back up to the big leagues, that, that average, if you're hitting 180, 190, that's still there, mm. right? So, so you look up at that and you're like, 
oh yeah, I, I wasn't very good when I, <laughs> I went down to AAA, did pretty well. Now I'm back up here. Like I kind of, you know, so all of that self-talk, right. That negative vibe that's going on through yourself. Yeah. Um, that kind of starts to manifest itself. So I think what happens is you start, at least I did, I, I started to try even harder. Mm. Right. So well, I, I guess I'll just try even harder. I'll try to hit the ball harder. And that does not work in baseball. <laughs> no. Well, so, so when you look at, like, like you were saying before about kind of what you see in teams now and, and you do so you do scouting for the angels, right? So you're a little bit involved with like, I mean, do you see the major league club or like you around them or you're just out on your own thing or whatever? Yeah, completely on the amateur side with with high school kids and college kids. Okay. So I mean, when you but I don't know if you have any windows into it, but when you think of it, like you said before, like teams now, they have all their mental skills coaches and stuff like that. Um, and I'm assuming that maybe in some situations, maybe not everybody, but players are more open to talk about things that they're going through. I mean, did you, would you say, is that a fair thing or is that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause I, so the, there's been a shift in that mindset of, and, and, and again, I think the biggest shift still is if I go to somebody that means there's something wrong with me and that's not the case. So we, we, we try to take the, the complete judgment, uh, the shame of going to talk to somebody. It's more, somebody to talk to, somebody that's been through it, and then you give them something to do, Yeah. right? And yeah. you're, not, you're not yelling at them. You know, you're, you're basically a coach, you know, and you just kind of remain neutral in what they're telling you and then try to help give a solution, um, try to help them figure it out themselves, yeah. you know, give them, okay, the obstacles are going to be there. W- what do you think about this? What, what do you, you know, in your opinion, how would you handle this? Mm. Um, so those are the conversations I have. Um, and I'm sure these, these players at the big league level are having that too, but they're there. You know, I, I don't know if they're actually talking to them every single day. Um, I've had a couple on my show that I'm trying to get a better feel for what they're doing, um, whether it's a program, something they can do, and then they leave and then come back a couple weeks later and they can kind of hash out, you know, have you been working on this stuff? What are you improving on? Things like that. Okay. So you, you mentioned the story like too, with your son and kind of you know, what he was going through. So what, what, what do you see like in kids that you work with right now and kind of like, what are some of the things that they do struggle with that maybe um, they're going to need help with, I guess, or is there a common theme? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, there's a, there's a, <laughs> or whatever, but I don't know if there is a common theme or just, I guess, what are some of the things you see in them? Yeah. Just in the, you know, some of the conversations I've had too, perfectionism is a huge thing. Um, trying to just make every single play perfectly, uh, make every throw perfectly as a pitcher, trying to, you know, they think they're going to hit that spot every time. So their, their goals, then that they, they have high expectations too, you know? So there's trying to find that fine line of like, look, this game is really hard. <laughs> like we, we played it as kids and sometimes we make it even harder because of this interference and, and trying to get back to what that feeling was like as a kid that you just went out and played. Um, comparison, I see, is a big issue. Um, comparing, because now you have, I mean, there was rankings back when I played. Uh, you know, the Baseball America was out there, all these things. Uh, but now you have a whole bunch of different rankings, you know, social media. So, and, and people are only posting their best hits, their best, you know, their hardest velocity of pitch, uh, things of this nature. So uh, it, it helped, it kills them in their self-doubt. Because they're when they feel like they're not, you know, adding up or I'm, I'm not in the top 10 in Las Vegas, you know, or the top 100 here, um, they start to get down on themselves. So um, just kind of going back to that focus and just making sure they're focusing on the right things and eliminating the stuff that just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. Because like you said, I mean, there's only a certain amount of things that you can, you can control and there's going to be mistakes and just... That's the one thing that, I mean, I coached a little bit with my son um, up through Little League. I know that's not a big deal, but, you know, up through majors and stuff. And, 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 and then that's when i like, you need to go have somebody else coach you or whatever. But, but even in, in that time, I mean, you see kids, like whether it's like, like you said, that perfectionism or that need to be perfect, or if they do make a mistake, that they don't bounce back from that mistake very well. It's like, you know, they, they're, they, it just, 
they lose it, you know, and they're just, and these are kids, like some of the kids that, especially I had on my son's 12 year major team, cause you know, they, we had a good group of kids and we had some really good players, but if they, there's a couple of them in particular, if they made a mistake, it was like that, they were just done. Like that was it. Like there was no, you know, there was no bouncing back from that. And like, so some of that stuff, like where, you know, that, I guess it's like the mental toughness or the, the ability to be okay with mistakes and realize it's not the end of the world. And I don't know, how do you, do you work anything with that with kids or do you, you know what I mean? Do you, do you work with that or, or just the skill stuff? Yeah, it's, it's all a combination of that. So, so kind of teaching them how to baseball, you have to play pitch to pitch and mm-hmm. you have to have a short memory. So when, when you're, when you're playing pitch to pitch, you're in the process of you're now you're in the present. Um, and obviously you want to play baseball in a subconscious level. So that's why we practice so much, right? That's why we take all those ground balls. That's why we take all those swings and you might be able to kind of think about maybe your mechanics, what you're doing while practicing. But when you get into that game, you have to just play, right? So it, you, you want to just be reactionary and just do it. So, so that's, that, that's why practice is so important. You got to have all this repetition, you know, the, the perfect practice makes perfect type thing. Um, but yeah, that's what, when kids don't work at their game, and then they just go, uh, you know, a lot of the showcase scene is really big, right? So for an example would be this summer, um, and I'll just use my son as an example. They have a tournament this week or next week. Uh, we've been in COVID, you know, pandemic for months. If, if he hasn't done anything for a month and expects to walk into next week's tournament and be successful, I mean, that's likely not going to happen. Right. So it's getting them into routines, understanding how, you know, like AM PM routines work. So those are other skills to work on. Um, but yeah, back to that process and, and not worrying so much about what the outcome is, but playing the game pitch to pitch. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's yeah, it's a good, good mantra to kind of keep with them and, and just, Hey, the, the next, the next pitch, the next, whatever, you have an opportunity to do something different or, to do it again or to whatever, right. You know, so, and it, even like at, on the hitting end, it's like, okay, you, you leave one pitch. It's like, you've got the next pitch, you know, it's not the end of the world. Even if it's a strike that goes by you, whatever you can, you know, make an adjustment or get the timing or whatever. And yeah, take your next crack. Right. Yeah. That's the thing with this, this game of baseball is so much different from football and basketball, you know, it's, and it's the average that we, we always tend to really focus on the average in baseball. And we all know it. Three out of 10, you're a really good player, right? At the, that's at the big league level. Four out of 10 in high school, you're really good. Uh, five out of 10 in little league, you're really good. And once those numbers start to kind of back up and you're like, oh, man, now I'm only like two out of 10, you know, like so it just crushes you, you know, and, and it's so much failure. Um, so that, that's the the curse and I think also the blessing of baseball where, and that's why the life lessons come in because whether you're in sales, you know, what you're doing something in life, you're not going to succeed every time. Mm. Um, so to, like you said, building that mental toughness, uh, that resiliency to just, you know, put the armor on and go to battle and know that it's, it's not going to work out every time for you. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing too is like when you have kids and you kind of, when you see them go through stuff, it's also important. Hopefully they understand it too. Like I remember when I was coaching my son that year when he was 12, it's like, and I came to practice late this day and um, our, my assistant was helping and he, he comes running up to me and he's like, Hey, I hit my first home run out, you know, whatever, you know, da, 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 out, you know, over the fence or whatever. And you know, that they were doing some hitting practice or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> because I knew what was coming. I knew then, you know, cause once you get that feel of it, then it's like, that's what I'm going to be going for every time, yeah. you know, and sure enough, like, you know, average goes down, strikeouts go up, whatever, you know, it's like, because you, you know, you go through that thing of like, okay, now that I know I can do it, I'm going to try to do it every time. Right. And that's just not, I mean, this game, it, the game just doesn't work that way. And, but, but at the same time, I think it was a good learning opportunity for him because he was able to recognize and understand and go through that slump. Yes. And be frustrated, but at the same time, recognize that, 
you didn't, you know, you have to have the same approach every time and not just, you know, go up there trying to hit a home run and, you know, but there was some growing pains in there. And, but again, that developing that, that skill set mentally and being able to work through some of that stuff is good for them um, in the long run, especially if they're able to, you know, I guess, I guess learn from it and, and grow from it and not, you know, not get too down on themselves and keep building that confidence. So, but anyway, it sounds like you're doing some good things with that. So just in general, can you kind of just then basically just tell us specifically, okay, what your program is, the name, all that stuff, and just kind of what people could do to get in touch with it and just some of the yeah. just basics of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as I started to put this all together about a year ago, after I went through my, I guess you could, not an episode with my son, but I'm like, I need to start. I, I can help kids, you know. So what I did is I put together um, an online program because um, obviously I'm full-time scout. I'm on the road ten months out of the year. I'm like, I'm gonna build something online where people can just go at their own pace. So what I did is I I, I teach lessons, coach a lesson in a video. I give them a couple questions, like a little quiz after the video um, that they they go through, and then a little PDF form to just answer a couple questions. And so I created a video per week. So it, it's 52 videos. Um, it's an online membership. So it, it, it renews yearly. We update videos and then the player has access to me um, through email. And then if they really wanna have Zoom calls like we're doing here, uh, that's a whole side side deal. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I created that online. So people can do that. That's $199 um, for the year, which I believe is extremely fair. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I basically become their online coach and a lot of parents were asked like, well, what, what do you do? What do you teach? So I also created a free four video course. So when people don't know about me yet or what I do or teach, I, I highly recommend doing that first, um, dive into that. It's four videos. So you watch the video and, and this was, I filmed this during the pandemic. So there's, there's things on procrastination. I have a, like a 20 minute video on a scout's view. You know, the, one of the biggest questions I get as a scout is, you know, what do you guys look for in a player? So I kind of go through all of that from a pitcher standpoint, a position player standpoint. Um, and then I introduce the program. So that's an introduction and they're highly committed HD videos. I got the green screen behind me. They're really nicely done. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 and so I just teach mm -hmm. and I let the kids go at their own pace. And then they email me their questions and then we can have some dialogue back and forth. Um, obviously the, the biggest, and I, th I think the, the best way to go about it is one-on-one -on -one calls like we do here. Mm -hmm. uh, starting to do team calls, kind of putting that all together right now um, throughout this summer where it's, it's just more personal. It's one-on-one. -on -one. I can dive in exactly to what we want to work on. Um, but yeah, that, that's a way to start. You know, they can do the free course, sign up for that. If they like what they see, then they, of course, they can sign up for the, the full 52 week course. Cool. That's awesome. So, and then another thing you're doing, you're doing I, like some interviews just with like players, coaches, that kind of stuff. So what's the, is there like a, a method to that or that's just fun stuff or are you trying to get some principles? Yeah. What kind of things are you doing with that? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to, I think one of the hardest things for a young, let's say high school kid and even college kids is being open enough to talk about this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I, when, when all this stuff happened three months ago, I was like, I'm just going to start, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and just start interviewing just like you and I are doing, just start talking to guys and, and getting it out in the open of like, Hey, you know, what's your story? You know, what were your struggles? And so I'm talking to major league players, you know, scouts, um, people of kind of all walks of life that when it kind of boil all down is we all have our stuff, mm. <laughs> right? It, we're all going through life at the same time and we all have our struggles. So, and, and the feedback I've gotten from kids, I'm like, man, these are great. Like I didn't realize that, like I just did a call with Shay Hillebrand, who was a, a all-star, two-year mm. all-star, and he almost killed himself. He was, he was about a day or two away from taking his life. That's how serious things got for him now and that's not my expertise by any means but but he's now able to talk about it because he's able to he was able to get over it um, but just little struggles and then opening up 
and just being being more vulnerable to discuss like hey man we're going through struggles let's talk about this yeah yeah and i'm sure we could talk a ton on that i mean uh, you're using some key words for me like right now struggles vulnerability stuff that is difficult and especially as guys i mean we have a harder time with that because like you said before just that notion of weakness i think you had something on your facebook page about this but i watched the roy holiday you know documentary and i mean whether that's pressure whether that's struggles you know pressure to perform um i mean obviously he was taking a ton of painkillers to perform and to kind of get through um but also at the same time you know it's like that's uh, you know it didn't seem like you know people like were talking about that kind of stuff or they it's it's uncomfortable to talk about where you're struggling or why you're struggling or what's kind of going through that that's a hard mountain for some people to get over and to just reach out for help and to be able to in in whatever state with sports wherever we're at I mean it can be difficult but obviously you have to start having the you know start having the dialogues to get to the place where people feel more and more comfortable wanting to talk about those kinds of things right yeah I, I agree I you know as males right we have we have egos right we're we're tough we're alpha males all that stuff um, we, we're, we, we help support our families. We have kids. We want to be strong and tough for them. Um, but man, there's also times when it, you know, you got to cry with them too, yeah. you know, and it's, and I, I'm a, I'm a huge weeper at times when it comes to, you know, we, you start talking about Jesus, like I'm crying, you know, it's, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just cool that, that people are starting to open up. And I was, I was a teammate of Roy holidays for just a little bit. Uh, we were actually drafted the same year. Um, he was a little bit, you know, a few picks behind me in that draft. Um, but yeah, he, he went through those struggles and, and we, you know, nobody really knew about it. I just did a call with Josh Towers, uh, who lives here locally, um, was on that staff and part of their rotation. And, and, uh, we talked about Roy, you know, in that regard, like, yeah, man, it was, you know, he, he went through things that we just didn't know about, you know, and I think ones that were really close to him knew, they kept it really kind of close and knit tight. And, um, and then kind of, it just got to the point where his wife was like, you know, we, we can't do this anymore. Like you better get some help or, or we're gone. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's a lot to handle, you know, and I think he had some, I, I wasn't able to see it yet, but I, I, my understanding, he had some huge perfectionism to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all have that, you know, we all want to do well, um, and sometimes it's being and trying to be perfect is probably not the best answer. Yeah. And I know we could be veering off a little bit, but I think one of the things I took from it too, is like huge perfectionism. And then also too, it seemed like he kind of like lost himself once he kind of stepped away from the game. I don't know if you struggled with any of that or if that was difficult for you when you finally decide, okay, I'm done. Was that, was that a hard thing for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because now, so the difference is, and I, Shea Hillenbrand mentions too, like, Shea Hillebrand, these are Roy Holiday, Holiday's a Hall of Famer. So yeah, yeah. if you look at monetarily, they had millions in the bank, right? They're set for life. They don't have to do anything ever again. But everything they've known it comes to a complete halt. Um, in my case, and I think really in most cases, when I was done, I was I was 30. Like I would, I'm 42 right now. I was ideally hoping to just retire like a couple years ago. You know, I I, I felt like I. I had so many injuries that happened that I'm like, you know, I got, I'm done at 30, really? And, and I still played 13 years. Mm-hmm. So even at age 30, I was like, that's it, right? This, that went like that, you know? And like, now what the heck am I going to do? Um, so yeah, when, when I, and I was, you know, not getting paid very much at that time. So now I'm thinking like, okay, I got a wife, I got four kids. Um, I'm not making the money I did now. You know, so now what do I do? Um, so all those thoughts creep in. And um, I, I think I was also pretty good. And I don't know if it's whether it's um, religious background, but I also knew that baseball wasn't who I, who I am. Mm. Right. It's what I did. Yeah. Right? So that's a big piece when I talk with kids like yeah, you, you just play baseball. You know, you can't you can't put everything into one basket because if it's taken from you today or next week, then who are you? Right. So that, that's a big part of it. And, and I felt like I was pretty good at that, knowing like I'm not just a baseball player. Like I, there's much more to me than that. Um, so when, when kids can start to understand that, 
that perfectionism kind of starts to dwindle back a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Just as far as like your identity. And I mean, I see that a lot with people in, in whatever kind of aspect of life or whatever was sports or other things. It's like when you get too wrapped up in one specific identity, it's like, it's dangerous because yeah, if that goes away, then who are you? What are you? And then yeah. what's the world going to be now? And it can be, it can send people into some dark places and, and not, yeah. And I, and I imagine with athletes, it's, it's a little bit more uh, challenging or can be just because like you said, they're, you know, I mean, I look at my son that's playing baseball too. It's like, I mean, it's like practice, every, you know, every day, every day, every day, every day, you know, you're thinking, you know, so it does, it is a lot of your life, but you know, you do have to have that separation and, and, um, and, but when it does, you know, when it's over, it's, yeah, there's, there's, there's some, <laughs> there's some things you got to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. It, when, when you finally, you know, like I said, I was 30 when I was done, when I decided the day I decided to hang up the cleats, man, it was, it's heart wrenching. You know, it, it, you're so emotional about it. Um, you know, it, at that point I had, I had four kids. We were about to have our, uh, we, we already had our fourth kid. He was, he was still pretty young. My, my daughter, she was young. Um, and I was just like, you know, this is it. You know, I, my body's beat up. I, it hurts to get out there. And, you know, and then you make that decision. And, and then obviously you, you try to do that maybe in a, a prayerful sense and make sure you're getting the right answers. And, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. So on a, this is a selfish note for me because I, I mentioned earlier, well, when we were talking before the podcast, I was mentioning I was from Canada. So you did play in Toronto, right? For one week. Oh, for one week. Oh, that was it. <laughs> oh. Well, then, I don't Very short lived. Yeah. <laughs> How was it? How was Toronto? It was cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it was so fast. I didn't even get to really experience it. Okay. Um, I, I stayed in the Sky Dome okay. um, for a couple of days. And that's a whole other thing. When, when you get called up from AAA, um, you think you're going to be there like the rest of the year. You know, you're like, sweet, I called up. I finally get my chance again. But in the back of your mind, you kind of forget. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm just coming up for so-and-so that got injured. I, I might only be here for a week or three days or two weeks. Um, and, I, you know, I moved my whole family up there, right? Oh. We get an apartment in Toronto. Mm. And then – it was literally, I think, a week or eight days later, back to AAA. Oh. So it, it's super hard on the family, super hard on the wife. It's, it, it's not the glamorous life that a lot of us see. Right. Uh, now, when, you, when we, have, we have a local, lot of local players like Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Joey Gallo, um, these are, I mean, they could be Hall of Fame players. You know, they're, they're making millions of dollars. Um, things are going great for them, but they also have that stress and that pressure to to yeah. perform at that high level. So it kind of, that kind of never ends. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. But that, yeah, I, I guess you don't really necessarily think about that side. I wouldn't think that you would, yeah, jump in and just like sort of, yeah, move my family, and then now I'm now I'm not there anymore. So yeah, and the you, and the, the, the wives had to do everything too because you you had to be you were assigned to that place the next day or two and they're just like well i guess i'll just pack up all the bags <laughs> yeah hopefully there's some therapy for wives in those situations right, right? no doubt no doubt <laughs> I, I think that like i think wives writing books and stuff and experiences i've i have a friend that, that's written one i haven't read it yet but i'm, I'm sure they have some crazy stories yeah yeah no i'm sure it's i'm sure that's not an easy life for them as well too so but well chad i appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your insights and definitely uh, really uh i guess grateful for what you're doing with kids and stuff and kind of i think that that's definitely an added component that kids need in, in the sport to be able to have that mental kind of training and stuff to to where to just to fill in the, the gaps with you know just the performance side of things and how to fine tune that and, and work through those things in a better way. So I think it's great what you're doing. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm getting some good feedback and it's, it's always fun to work with kids. Um, I guess I should tell you actually where you can go to my oh, yeah, the yeah, website. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the website is mentaledge.training. Okay. Uh, that's where you can get the free course. 
you like the free course, you know, you don't even have to do the free course. If you want to sign up, be a member, you can do that right away too. Um, the YouTube channel is Mental Edge Training Coach. And then for a lot of people that are signing up to do one-on-one -on -one calls or team calls, you can just email me. Um, and that email is chad at mentaledge.coach. Okay, cool. And I'll put that all in the notes too. So it'll be in the notes as well. So awesome. Have that. So, all right. Well, thanks again for coming on and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk soon, maybe in a different capacity. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I appreciate having me on. This has been great. All right. Thanks. All right. So I'd just like to thank Chad again for coming in on the show and talking to us about the things that he's doing as well as just as his experiences. I definitely took a lot away from what he had to say and, and just the importance of the development of the mental side of things as far as sports and making sure our kids have that right mindset as they play the various sports that they may play, as they maybe strive to become uh, professionals themselves. Uh, a couple things that I thought about as I was kind of going through this, a couple quotes stuck out to me in relation to sports. The first one was um, just simply by Dan Gable. Gold medals aren't really made of gold. They're made of sweat, determination, and hard to find al and a hard-to-find alloy called guts. And another one by Harvey McKay where he says, it doesn't matter whether you are pursuing success in business, sports, the arts, or life in general. The bridge between wishing and accomplishing is discipline. And I just think there's a lot in those two quotes um, about what it takes to succeed in anything in life, but especially in sports, just that sense of discipline and, and determination that's needed. Um, you know, and I think sometimes kids these days, and this isn't a knock, it's just what I see. Sometimes I think my own kids struggle with it. Just that sense of instant, instant gratification or it's like, hey, I want what I want when I want it. But am I willing to put in the work? Am I willing to put in the time? Am I willing to put in the effort that it takes? And you see that, you know, I mean, kids just don't, you know, people just don't get to the major leagues on luck. You know, there has to be, a, there's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of sacrifice. Kids have to give up things that, that, that other kids are doing. You know, they have to sacrifice maybe uh, nights out with their friends, weekends with their friends, um, summer vacations. I've seen my son sacrifice a lot of those things to try to pursue, you know, his desires to play baseball and at, at the high school level even. And just there's a lot of stuff that they have to sacrifice and be willing to, to go without in order to um, put in the time that it takes to develop that skill and that talent. Um, so it's not just going to come to them. And I think as we teach our kids, we have to try to help them develop that mindset of that sense of discipline that it's going to take in order for them to be successful. And like I said, even for me in my life, that has transcended into work. And so even if I didn't become a professional, I still had those foundational things in my life that helped me to um, be successful in other ways without it being sports because I had that sense of discipline or that desire to be successful in whatever way. So anyway, I uh, hope you took some good things from today. Um, I know I enjoyed it. And I look forward to next time. This is the Vegas Therapist signing off.